0: Yeah, all right. It was, yeah. Sorry, right. that was a lot of information. And it was also um, really, really cool, though. So it's like um, 10 oh, yeah, I updated the Q&A slide because I love that picture. And it makes it more interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a Q&A. So what, uh, what questions do you all have about any of that, like theories or how to best articulate something or questions about the history, anything? Mm-hmm. Oh, I think he didn't. At least 90% sure.
1: It's, it's it's possible that one of his brothers was. Well, no, it's not possible. It's yeah. actually not possible
0: that he had a twin. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if we get a list vir- of his siblings. Like, well, like if we yeah. believe in the virgin birth, <laughs> he didn't have a twin. Yeah. Also, we we get a list of his siblings, and like, why would they leave out the twin brother? Was he like? Did they like shame him? Yeah, you aren't actually part of this family. Um Yeah. Um, Unlikely. Yeah. Tyler Yeah, so like the, the
1: secular uh evidences that we have, like uh this, this and uh Tacitus and uh, the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um if atheists uh secular like people can like agree on Jesus actually existing mm-hmm. um, too yeah um, i don't understand
0: how um uh like they because we have like secular there, there was like one secular uh um like remember, there was like one secular evidence that um said that like they got that he rose why can they believe in all that to like, not take the evidence outside of the bible yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good question. So why why can secular scholars agree on all that stuff we just went through, but not like on him rising from the dead, yeah. pretty much? Yeah. Um, well, one thing I would like to note is we didn't add a slide on secular historians that actually had to change because there there are so many people that like go into this with all those theories we went through and like yeah it was a hallucination or a conspiracy. And then they actually uh, like look at the evidence and they're like oh my goodness it's actually true. Um, so the famous one is lee strobel but also like j warner wallace did the same thing and there are plenty of scientists who've done the same thing so it's not like every secular historian was like looking into this agreed with all this then denied it so some of them actually looked into it agreed with it and then converted um so that's one thing but why don't they just why why don't they think it as plausible one because i think of all of their presuppositions one there's a lot of moving parts in their head with with all of their ideas and things they believe so it doesn't allow for something like that so it would just be that's not even a possibility because of everything i believe in so again it would be a a bias against the supernatural so when we go over our miracles talk around christmas this year We're going to go over something like that so that might be one reason another reason is they just might not want it to be true because if it's true think about it they can't live how they want big thing today in our culture and number one thing why why people don't believe in christianity aside from science is like sex sexual ethics no especially college students they don't want to live up to the sexual ethics of christianity so it might, not, it might be they don't want it to be true, and they will do anything, so it isn't true. That would be my answer. What about you?
1: Yep, I just think that historians have a presupposition of naturalism when they do their history. So whatever, and scientists have the same thing. Whatever conclusion I come to, it can't involve the supernatural, and they start with that. That's the foundation. Yep. Whatever explanation I'd conclude, it can't be a supernatural one. I think that's a bad way to do science and that's a bad way to do history, because oftentimes you, you, you butt up to the end of reasonable explanations for events, like the resurrection, or the explanation for like the DNA in the cell, and you just have to make up stuff. For, for the explanation for those things, when you butt up against mm. the supernatural and you start with the foundation of there yeah. isn't any supernatural reality, mm-hmm. then you're limiting yourself. Yeah. And I don't think science actually started like that. Um, yeah. there were concluding God's definitely the best
0: explanation for this yeah um. so um, that ad hoc term we used earlier it, it it means well I think it technically means like for this in Latin but it's when someone makes it so their theory is not falsifiable so it's it's kind of like this this idea of oh I'm in this position where I have this whole worldview and I just found something that might prove me wrong let me come up with something that saves it right um, so, so that's literally what it is. And I think that's, most of the time, the case. Because it's a lot easier to come up with something that saves your worldview than changing everything about your worldview.
1: Yeah. Anything else? I was just going to of that like,
0: like one more thing. Sure. Um, have have secular historians like accepted that it happened but didn't convert um i i don't know any i don't actually don't know any i
1: don't know i would say for the most part people just ignore this (laughs) Mm. most most atheists i I think Mm -hmm. um don't take this argument that seriously they kind of just do a historical denial sort Mm -hmm. of situation um it's really the christians that are forcing this argument into apologetics and then people have to deal with it. So famously, like, Matt Dillahunty is a super popular atheist debater online. And every like, he'll do lots of debates on the resurrection. And the Christian apologist will always say, is it correct that you are not proposing an alternative theory to these facts? And he'll say, nope, I don't have to. That's very popular. Um, I would say historians will often grant these facts and then just say, it must be something else. I don't know what it is, but there's other explanations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you can't admit that Jesus rose from the dead and then not convert. It's kind of a
0: yeah, so they might play agnostic on that. Yeah, a lot of people call themselves agnostic atheists for that reason, which yeah. is which I think is a contradictory in terms. It's contradictory in terms. Sure. Yeah.
1: Anything else, Andre? Um, so I know that Gary habermas is trying to like get the initial evidence for the resurrection down to like the first year or two uh, after the crucifixion. but like, he's trying to use these different creeds that. Christians had to, to do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know that
0: Bart Ehrman thinks that he's kind of crazy and stupid and mm-hmm. he's making some giant leaps. I don't know how much you guys know about
1: that, but. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so uh, I actually there was one time in my life where I where I read a bunch of books on this. Well, one if you want a book on this that's amazing, Mike Laconas, The Resurrection of Jesus: A Historiographical Approach. It's really thick, but it's really good. But there's this one um crap I forgot your question (laughs) wait no 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 I got it okay (laughs) oral tradition uh so like within the first couple years there's actually a lot of research and writings about like linguistic formulas around that oral tradition and how far it dates back and us actually getting an idea of when these things were happening so it's not I would say because they're just linguistic formulas and oral tradition um it's, it's it's a lot more difficult to know because it's just oral tradition. It's language. It's not something written down or something we can find like, oh, hey, here's the document. If it was oral tradition. We would have to actually look at um, tradition and use those linguistic and mathematical formulas to prove that this is actually what they were saying at this time. And it's really hard without any physical evidence. So it would be a lot of philosophical ideas about language. Yeah,
1: I think where Gary Habermas and he's, he's a historical expert. I have no idea how this stuff, how he traces stuff back and all that stuff. I don't know how that works, but I think part of the claim he gets at is like something like in First Corinthians 15. If you actually look in your Bible, depending on like the translation, how yeah. your Bible is formatted, you'll see that that block of text in the beginning of chapter 15 is like separated. Like it looks different. It's in a different kind of format, and it looks almost like a poem. Um, other, like Philippians 2, uh, that. Christ's ascension, his, like his humiliation, and then ascension. Yeah. We call those early Christian creeds. Yeah. And what we mean by that is that that's not the first time that that was written. That's yeah. not the first time that that information and that, that pattern of speaking about uh, he was buried and raised in accordance with the scriptures, mm-hmm. that wasn't the first time that that had been said by Christians. And so, yeah, that's where he's trying to trace that back further and further and further. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty credible that that wasn't the first thing that the first time that's ever been said because Paul explicitly says that yeah. he's getting something from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how he traces it back to a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. but
0: Yeah, and it was, it, was the, it was actually the passage I read earlier on yeah. the appearances slide, 1 Corinthians 15, when he was like, hey, they, he appeared to all these people. That was the creed. That was what they were saying. Um, yeah, I just also don't know how he traces it back. But I know it has to do with linguistic formulas. I just don't know how to do those.
1: <laughs> that sounds fancy, linguistic yeah. formulas.
0: Any other questions?
1: Yeah. I kind of like a follow-up. Yeah. To that. Um, like, does the time gap between the crucifixion and the first documentation, like, does that concern you at all? Um, because, like, even though it's, like, mm. way closer than yeah. any other historical document that we ever have, and, like, obviously we accept things like Julius Caesar existence and stuff like that. But, mm. Yeah. less recent documentation from the event, uh, but like still 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever, it's still a long time. Sure. Uh, things can change. So it's like, you guys think that there's any credibility to somebody saying, like, uh, things can change within 30, 40 years after the event, mm. uh, and therefore it's not, like, If this truly
0: happened, you would expect to see
1: documentation like in the first year, like just right away. This like most important event. Right. I think that part of what Gary Habermas is trying to do is to show that there is that. It's it's just simply that we have this first official. Here's the Gospel of Luke, and it's in the fifties or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the key is not whether it's within a year or ten years. It's like whether this is within living memory is kind of that big bridge between where it gets really credible to not very credible. Yeah. Is where you start to go past the first generation of people that have, where this, these events have taken place, whether these things are within living memory mm-hmm. and uh, either based directly from eyewitnesses or like mm-hmm. secondhand eyewitness testimony. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been concerned about that in the past. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, 10, 20 years, that's still a long time. They could play, te- like the game of telephone could go pretty far in mm-hmm. 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I would say that a lot of these things are based off of earlier, early sources, earlier documents. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, I personally think that these, a lot of these things were written down right when they happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have proof for that, but yeah. I believe that that's likely. Yeah. And, that, and then they get compiled over time. And, like, I just read the, the introduction to Luke, uh, where he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So to me, it feels like there's this kind of self-consciousness that Luke has of like, yeah, a lot of people have tried to write a lot of stuff about this, and we also have had these things being passed down in the church for for decades. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna compile this account now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It feels like he's doing a careful examination of these things. It doesn't feel unreliable to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can I can see the I can see the concern though for sure.
0: Yeah. It can be concerning, but I would like to also add with that some of our best documentation is with Paul. Yeah. and remember, first Corinthians, he has the Creed in there, and in one Corinthians or first Corinthians, I don't know pastor Troy messed me up with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he says, Go and ask them, like go go ask them, right? They're still alive he 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 says that. so if we have that good of historical evidence for 1 corinthians and paul writing that and they were still alive at that time one that's a good sign also i would i would i would also say what's important is the event and happening and when we actually have claims of what truly took place about that event and with those traditions i would say it goes back to the very event of of all that happening of people claiming this is the truth now if it was like oh 50 years and that was the first claim we heard that would be really problematic. Yeah. Um, with the with the documentation, another important thing to note is we only have copies. We don't actually have the original documents. Right. Like the first one ever written down. So if our copies were written and we have them within a lifetime or within a generation or within 50 years, think of how much closer the original right. was actually written. Um, right. So because of that, right there, there is some. I mean, there, there are some like very, very adamant Christian scholars that are like, you know what? We have them within like 10 years, um, which is which is a bold claim. But like yeah, that's
1: important to note is that we don't have the originals. We are the earliest things we have are copies. We, we, so as a historian, you have to say something like this is the earliest we have. So we're going to date it here. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's the earliest manuscript of it or it doesn't mean that's the exact date it was written. So like for the longest time in like the scholarship, John was considered to be at the earliest, like late second century. So that'd be like 150s to 200s is when John was believed to be written, which would very much fit the thesis of like, yeah, the earlier gospels don't really claim that Jesus is God, but then over like a hundred years, the church develops all this theology around Jesus. And then John comes out with all these bold claims about Jesus being God. Mm -hmm. And it's hundreds of years later, and it fits this nice, uh, naturalistic testimony of how these things took place. And then all of a sudden we find fragments of John's gospel from like 90 mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like from 75 to hundred AD, we've got fragments of, of John's gospel and they find them in like Egypt. Like these have been being dispersed, right? So you can start to reasonably assume that these things are happening before that. Even mm-hmm. I, I actually like the hypothesis of like, I know Frank Turk takes this position that, the Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, a lot of people even say that all the New Testament documents were very likely written before 70. Now, that's not a, very, that's not a majority position among scholars or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The reason why Christian apologists say that some is because none of these writings include the destruction of the temple, which is like the most significant event in that time period. Like that's, they're Jews. This is the destruction of their entire world at that time. And like John doesn't record it. Anything like that, or they don't record the deaths of like Paul or James or um, Paul or Peter are not recorded, and so a lot of like a lot of these you can kind of infer from different historical details. These are probably pushed back a little bit because they don't include these important details. Mm-hmm. So they must have happened
0: before these events. Yeah.
1: I like that position.
0: Yeah, but same. A lot of people don't take that. Yeah. But. And uh, before we get to your question, Tyler, um, with that, I do want to still emphasize that the date between. What actually happened in the documents we have, I will say that's important, but I would say in the case of Christianity, it's not a big challenge. Yeah. So, mine's not really a question anymore because you kind of answered it. Oh. It's, more, it's more so like a comment. Like, how could we even know
1: that? Like, where does it originate from that the Gospels were written like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years later? Like, how could we not know that? And like, I like to uh, you made the point of it could have been written down originally right away and then we just got copies, copies, copies. copies. Mm, sure. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah yeah and there actually is a really there's this interesting point on that actually with the the copies some historians or some apologists even like frank turk he would say that it's good that we don't have the originals because if someone had the originals and they like found them they could change them and be like i have the originals this is the word of god and they can make it say whatever they want but um there's that problem but also because we have all these copies there's, there's this like idea that because we have all the copies and have the different variations and can know exactly what it says, it's actually a good thing, and it helps us know more. Yeah. yeah. Like,
1: I mean, just for example, do you think somebody today could make a faithful account of what happened on 9-11? Based, okay, that happened 22 years ago. 21 years ago. So the idea of something that's happening within living memory, being able to record a faithful historical account of that event 20 years later, is not that preposterous when you think of something like 9-11 or even like the Civil War. (laughs) So um, I would say that. Yeah.
0: Any other questions? Done. We are done, sweet. Awesome, that's it. Thanks.